1: A historic win at the United States Supreme Court, 9-0 in favor of a Christian flag case, the case brought by Liberty Council. I'm Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council. Joining me on Faith and Freedom is Holly Mead. This is an amazing decision. We were thinking perhaps it might come down later in May or perhaps in June. But since it's a unanimous decision, I think that's why they were able to release it. They didn't have to have a bunch of dissents on this case. A great surprise on Monday agreed. morning. <laughs> yeah. In fact, remember there was that Monday morning at nine o'clock we were having our typical meeting mm-hmm. and I said we need to get a draft opinion or draft press release ready for this case, draft it as a win. And within an hour later, boom, we get a 9 to I didn't even have zero a chance decision. to do that. You <laughs> didn't have a chance to do it. <laughs> I had
2: another meeting and I
1: was like, whoops, but this is coming out. The nice thing is, it is a win, but it's not just a win, it's 9 to 0. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are very few Big win. attorneys in history that ever are associated with a 9 to 0 Supreme Court win. And if you are, it's typically on some non controversial case. This is a huge win. This is a case involving, as you know, Hal Shirtliff. Hal Shirtliff founded Camp Constitution every summer. In New Hampshire, they have a camp. Jonathan Alexander, our Senior Counsel of Governmental Affairs in our Washington, D.C. office, actually attended that uh, when he was younger. He actually teaches at this particular camp, Mm -hmm. young people, and they teach them about the Constitution. That's what Camp Constitution does. Hal Shurtleff was a resident of the city of Boston. Jonathan Alexander... Also lived in the city of Boston. His father has a church there. And that's how Hal Shirtliff got to meet Liberty Council. Contacted uh, someone there when he was denied. Uh, it came up to Jonathan Alexander. Jonathan Alexander communicated with Hal Shirtliff. We decided to take the case, and that rest is history. This is when Boston said, no, you can't have the Christian flag flying on this flagpole. Now, I understand somebody might say, well, a Christian flag flying on a flagpole in front of City Hall, this was the opposing arguments. That sounds like it would be the city endorsing religion. Well, you know, is the city endorsing communist China? In fact, in one week, this city has the communist China flag, which is the Mao Zedong revolution who killed millions and millions of people and now overthrew China to become communist China. So they allow that flag by a private individual that supports Mao's revolution. There are some people that think Mao, this brutal dictator, savage, is one of the most revered leaders in world history. And so this group wants to honor Mao. There's another group that is opposed. These are also Chinese in Boston, and they oppose Mao. They oppose the Communist China Party. And they support the pre-Mao China before the revolution took place. And so they have a competing flag. So every year in September, October, where the pro-Communist China flag is raised on City Hall property by this private group, about a few days or a week later, this anti-Communist China flag mm-hmm. is raised by another opposing group. So the question is, is the city of Boston speaking out of both sides of its mouth? One week it's pro-communist China. The next week it's anti-communist China. One week it's pro-Mao Zedong. The next week it's anti-Mao Zedong.
2: Don't they also raise a Taiwan flag, which is also very they different? They raise <laughs> a
1: Taiwanese flag, which is also uh, a poke in the eye of communist China. Right. So what are they actually saying? You know, they actually raise a credit union flag.
2: I think they're saying they, they don't know what they're flying. This particular
1: credit union, <laughs> they raise a pro-LGBT flag, a pride flag, and a transgender flag, the flag of Turkey. Are they pro-Turkey? Are they pro-Cuba? Is that what they're standing for? No. No, it's private speech that they have allowed to happen in a public forum, and it's gone on for 12 years before 2017, but then when they got this application because of the word Christian, they said, no, 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 it's not really for you. For everyone else, but not for you because of the word Christian.
2: You know, this is good what the high court wrote in that opinion. It said, Boston did not make the raising and flying of private groups' flags a form of government speech. That means, in turn, that Boston's refusal to let Shirtliff and Camp Constitution raise their flag based on its religious viewpoint abridged their freedom of speech. We do not settle this dispute by counting noses, or rather, counting flags. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, they said, you know, and if it weren't for the word Christian, uh, we would have no case here because they would not have had a problem. Call the flag anything but Christian and it's okay, call it Christian, and you're excluded. In fact, after the oral argument, remember Holly, I was talking to someone in the front of the Supreme Court. I felt very good about how the argument went. He came up to me afterward. We had done a press conference there, and he came up, and he was somebody that had um, come from a very um, anti-persecution country that was very radical Islamic in their uh, ideology. And he said, it's like what happened in my country. If you say that you believe in Jesus, you're beheaded. If you denounce Jesus, you live. What the city of Boston wanted Hal Shirtliff to do is denounce Jesus, essentially. Denounce that this was a Christian flag and deny its Christian theme and meaning. And if you did, you can fly it. But if you don't, you get punished. He says it's the same kind of thing at a different degree.
2: Yeah, the court also said here, Boston concedes that it denied shirtlift's request solely because the Christian flag he asked to raise promoted a specific religion.
1: Yeah, and therefore it would be banned.
2: But you know, it was interesting, even the ACLU filed an amicus brief in this case, because I saw it was a freedom of speech issue Yeah, as even well. the
1: ACLU of Massachusetts and the national ACLU came on board. It shows you, on the other hand, how radical some of the other groups are, the Anti-Defamation League type of groups, as well as the American United for Separation of Church and State. And they got rejected 9-0 mm-hmm. to zero by all the justices. The um, There were several concurrences. There was Justice Alito, Thomas, and Gorsuch that filed a concurrence in the judgment. And Alito would say, well, the court actually agrees in the result, but that the court should really clarify its past so-called government speech cases that cause confusion here and causes confusion in other cases as well, and that the test used in some of these so-called government speech cases, which is a new series of cases developed by the Supreme Court, have the potential to cause confusion and to ultimately end up with what we just saw in this case involving the Boston Christian flag case. And then Gorshitz also said, you know, the problem here is the Lemon test. This is a case that comes down back from 1971.
2: We've had that come up before.
1: Yeah, and we've actually argued that the court should explicitly overrule Lemon. They have overruled it in some uh, cases, and in fact, it seems like they've de facto overruled it because they just don't cite it as authority anymore. But he says it's now time to specifically essentially bury Lemon and get rid of it because it's the thing that caused the problem. It's what ultimately resulted in the lower courts going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. They, they decided this on Lemon. It says, um, you know, yet in this case, the city chose to follow Lemon anyway. It proved costly. It proved a costly decision, and Boston's travails supply a cautionary tale to other localities and lower courts. The only sure thing Lemon yielded was new business for lawyers and judges.
2: Right, and he said it's time to let Lemon lie in its grave. How did the city get it so wrong? To be fair, at least some of the blame belongs here and traces back to the Lemon case back in 1971, issued during a bygone era when this court took a more freewheeling approach to interpreting legal text.
1: Yeah, the interesting thing is when he says, 1971, a bygone era when the court took a more liberal approach to interpreting text. Mm -hmm. When I saw that on May the 2nd, when our decision came out, I said, well, you know, what else is in 1971? What else? Well, 1972 was the contraceptive case for unmarried couples. 1965 was the contraceptive case for married couples. Then it went to unmarried couples where some pharmacies were not granting it to unmarried couples, the Supreme Court said, oh, no, there's a constitutional right to get that, which was nonsense. And then the Supreme Court relied upon that case in 1973 with the abortion decision. So when I read what this justice said, that 1971 is a bygone era, when the court relied upon more of a freewheeling approach to the Constitution, I thought, I wonder whether this is a good portent for what the court is going to do with the abortion decision, because that's from the same era. And sure enough, later that day, the leaked opinion came out, and that leaked opinion shows overturning Roe v. Wade. But this is a great decision, a great victory for this case. Um, Thank you for your prayers and for your support. Um, This is one of many Liberty Council cases that we're handling across the country. For more information on this case, you can go to Liberty Council's website, lc.org forward slash flag.